Eloise Dormason is the president and publisher of her own eponymous Publish. publishing house. Yeah, right. Based in Paris. Welcome to the Bibliophile. <laughs> I'm very happy. Why do editors so often become publishers? Hmm. I guess because we're seeking for freedom, because when you are an editor, you report to, if everything goes well, only to a publisher, which is fine, but often to other type of manage management. And often you can't exactly publish what you want, nor exactly how you want to publish the books. It's a bit out of your control. At least for me, that was the reason why. Okay. Uh, because I had worked for well, a bit less than 20 years with various publishing houses. Actually, started in America yeah. with Siva Press. And then worked mostly with Flammarion and De Noël. And when I left De Noël in 2004, I, I was a bit tempted to open a publish, uh, an agency, a literary agency. And less risk? Less work? Less investment and a very close relation with authors. But not the thrill. So that was the good point. You have the full relationship with an author but you don't have the thrill of publishing a book and... And you wanted the thrill. Yeah, and I wanted the thrill. And I, then I thought, okay, uh, I had a number of offer to join other company, but I thought, okay, um, my partner was also involved in publishing, but more in the commercial and management um, side of the business. He was tempted to launch a publishing company and I thought I was always able to publish all the books that I wanted. Uh, when you were an editor. When I was an editor in the past 18 years before creating the publishing company. But I was not always uh, happy with the way the books were published. Sometimes I thought we should have reprinted the book. We should have invested more in marketing or more... We should have published the books at another time of the year. We should have had another cover. We should have had numbers of things that can make a book work. So you don't think they were doing justice to your work? No, that was not op happening all the time. No. Of course. But one or twice or more than that, I was really frustrated. And for some books that were important to me. So either... The publication was more or less a failure, and I thought we hadn't done what we should have done. So that was a real, complete frustration. Mm. Or the book was a success, but was not pushed further because because the house went on with other other priorities. Because they had that so many titles. Exactly. Yeah. And because because a list can push on one list, those four lists can be forgotten when you, uh, you enter the spring list or things like, like that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to um, have the control and be, be sure that um, all the books that I was publishing were going to be pushed as I thought they should be. So that was one of the, one of the reasons. And also because I had started my career as a publisher in America, 
I had vision that most French publishers didn't have. Now it's it's different because the how the house they've is, caught up, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the beginning, we uh, we were publishing, for example, uh, illustrated cover. There's an art. Uh, there's a design of a photo, an illustration on all the books, French translated, all of our books, which is not that familiar in France. The, 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 the tradition is to have um, very uh, sober cover, yeah. especially for French fiction, with only lettering. Gallimard, you know. Gallimard, Grasset. Yeah. Forever, they were only publishing, actually, you've seen the, the book Et moi je vis toujours. By your father. By my father. It's a, it's a Gallimard cover. Yeah. It's your typical French cover. Yeah. But I could, um, I don't have a, a stock or grasset or at hand that I can show you. But same but idea. The, the same idea. It's always one. Right. Funny, it, t- t- it took France so much longer to, um, t- to adopt beautiful, flamboyant, attractive covers. It's because for a long time, the fame or the promotion of the book was less into marketing and more into reputation, the reputation mm. of the publishing house, the reputation of the reviewers right. and the media who were covering the book. Uh, they felt that, it, that the picture shouldn't have anything to do yeah. with making the decision to read that author. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now, of course, it's it's much more than word of mouth. It's it's well, point been, of purchase. It's, yeah, exactly. There's exactly the the French market was less of a market. It was more a reader. We had readers and not customers. It was so a twenty percent customer, eighty percent readers, and now I think it's the reverse. Uh, now the French have, have become also customers. I mean, they want to be sure that they will enjoy the book that they are buying. They they don't take risk as they w- they were before. They they were sometimes buying books because they had heard about the book because uh, they knew the author and wanted they knew the name of the author and wanted to discover the author and were ready to take the risk had the time and the money mm. to take the risk. But th- there's thought, just the same kind of risk right now. All you've got is a pretty picture. No, but now there's the picture, but there's also the bookseller. I mean, there's a lot of things that needs to reassure you. The bestseller list, for example, saying... Uh, that just means lots of people like it. doesn't mean it's good. It's not. I mean, you, it's good, but it means that you are more likely to like it because there are so many people. I mean, people think, I'm not saying that they're right, but I'm saying that the yeah. behavior... Heard behavior. Yeah. It's, it's different. It has changed. And you have to be attracted to the book. And then read the flap copy and then be sure or think that it's going to appeal to you much more. I think people had more time before. Well, they had fewer distractions, yeah. let's put it that way. Yeah. You're competing with all the other noise exactly, out there. Exactly. But I, this is a very long answer to a quite simple story. <laughs> it's a simple no, question. It was an interesting answer, I thought. <laughs> Hopefully, people that are listening will think it was interesting. <laughs> France has taken longer to embrace the literary agent than North America, certainly, and, and even England. Why is that? The, the first reason is the geography. I mean, when you are in America, where there are two countries with literary agent 
appeared. America and Spain. America is because if you lived in Missouri and you were a writer, most of the time your publisher was in New York. The time difference, the the discussion was not that easy. I mean, or, or today with the mail, all that is different. But before, you could, you know, maybe meet your publisher, your editor once a year. Doing all the negotiation, the contract, was complicated when you were really separated with a quite a wide difference, time difference also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having an agent or uh, somebody representing you was made things easier, especially because that representative was maybe in New York. Yeah, or, right there. Or had could go and represent you. Also, you have a tradition of lawyers that are much stronger than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Americans were, even writers were um, used to having an a, uh, a, a lawyer. So lawyers... Protecting their interests. Pre- protecting their interests. And then some lawyers became agents. So there's the two, there's the geography, the distance, and the, the fact that having a lawyer... In France, you don't have a lawyer. I mean, you don't... You, getting a bit more but we, you don't have lawyers for everything no. you don't we don't have the same jurisdiction so it's not the case doesn't make the law so, so to speak so people are not used to be surrounded by by lawyers so that's the two reasons why i think it emerged in america and in spain it's because all the latin american not all but most of the latin american writers were living under dictatorship and they couldn't publish in their countries So there's this woman called um, Carmen Balcells who had the idea to meet all those writers, Carlos Fuentes, um, I can't remember their names, and and she approached them and represented them and got them published in Spain first. Okay. So there was Spanish-speaking author living in Cuba, Mexico, which were not... The Spanish-speaking world. The Spanish... South American Spanish speaking world, and I didn't mention countries that were really under dictatorship. So I don't my my point is not that strong, but basically they had trouble being published and not censored in their old countries. So they were happy to be published in Spain. Franco, they had Franco in Spain. Though I thought that's what you were getting at originally. No, because that was, was after the war, before and after, and um, yes, 39. after after thirty nine. Yeah, right. And so then it developed and it came to England because it was so developed in America and because the Anglo-Saxon countries have this tradition of, um, they have the same legal system. So it it was a cultural uh, thing. In France, not only we don't have that problem with the distance, even if you live in Lyon or if you live in Toulouse or if you live in Strasbourg, uh, you come to Paris quite easily, and it's the same time zone. So if you called your writer in Strasbourg in the morning, I mean, you can you can call your writer any time of the day. It's the all the same time zone. So yeah. Time zone, so it was not, no problem with the distance nor the time zone. Not this tradition to rely on a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, and for a long time, you had main French it has changed that again but for a long time if you wanted literary prices 
which are a big deal in France, especially yeah. in the fall. You had no choice. You had to be published by Le Seuil, Gallimard, or Grasset. It was all fixed. Yeah. So a literary agent was kind of trapped. He couldn't sell the rights to... I mean, if the author had the level and could uh, pretend to win those prices, you have m much more commercial authors that were not involved in that. Uh, game, but nonetheless, I mean, it's. I think it had um, it had an impact. Now it's all different. You but now that other uh, publishers win, yeah, other prizes, it's, it's it's and, and fairer. Is it fairer? Yeah. Huh? It's a bit. It's a bit more open. It's a bit more open. Have you been? You've won a war. You're publishing. Yeah, but that. not not those main. Not the big ones. Not the big ones. It takes right. forever to, to be accepted and to be considered. They don't even care about the quality of the writing then? It's, it's a complicated question to answer. It's, they do care, but it's, uh, it's very indigenous. In, in, in yeah, I think I know what you mean. But they all know one another. Yeah, insidious, maybe. Maybe insidious, not, insidious, no, not insidious, insidious, but... Anyway, yeah, okay. so uh, so that was one of the reasons, I mean, with all those parameters yeah. together. And still today, we don't have, I don't want them to hear me, but I don't think that we have very good literary agents in France. You, you still don't have a real full-fledged yeah. agent in France. You have... Some agents in France who can very well negotiate the contract were very mm. good in negotiating, yeah. in getting their clients huge advance. Yes. But once it's done, they don't care about when the author is published, how the author is published. They don't edit the manuscript. Well, and yes, they do. That's what they love to do. A lot of them do. Not the French. The, the one I'm thinking of... Um, he is very good at negotiating, but that's... Who's that? I won't tell you. Okay. Then there's another agent in France who is very good at selling the rights. She knows very well the, the, the translation, the foreign world, the English world. Uh, so she's capable of uh, selling the English rights or the Swedish Spanish rights, so, so that's she's very good. Yeah, but she doesn't know the French publishing industry that well, so she's not, and she's not that good at editing literary manuscript. Nor does she really care about literary, I think, um, which is not so relevant because in all countries you have literary agents. I mean, lit very literary literary yes, agents and you have commercial yeah. literary yes. agents yeah, yeah. and you have uh, genre literary agents I mean you have to you can be a very good agent and only publish uh, noir or thrillers or mostly uh, not publish or represent yeah um, so it's not because you're not very literary that you're not a good agent but um, but in, um, in, uh, in North America and England one of the so-called benefits of having a literary agent is that, yes, you work on editing your manuscript well, that's because, because the publishers are inundated with stuff and now apparently they only accept, well, they only kind of go forward typically if you are represented by an agent. Sure, and also there are less pu editors. At, the, at the publishers. 
in North America yeah, and England. Because also because of that process. Because they can they can rely upon the quality of exactly. the stuff exactly. that the, the, the litter the, agent the sends to them. Yeah. We don't have, I mean, there are very few, there are one or two, but there are very few who are editing the text. And you certainly don't have somebody who knows contracts, knows how to negotiate, knows how to edit, knows the market. Yeah, that uh, wide range of... Yeah. So you, you, don't, don't ha- you don't have a, an agent who has it all. You, have an ag- you might have an agent who is very pleasant and knows how to deal with offers and can edit, but is not good with legal matters and with negotiation and not that good with selling foreign rights. Some who are very good with selling foreign rights. Some who are very, you, okay. see, you see okay. what I mean? Yeah, that's so, not kind so, of a one-stop shop. Yeah, no, not yet. There's and a growing interest in it, and there's a there's a it's a growing field. It's a growing field in some level, but it's but I I'm surprised. I think it could be much. It could be, when you see Germany, they were not that big agency in, in Germany, especially not uh, with German authors. I mean, they were a big agency representing. Americans and English mm-hmm. publisher or agency, but then we're not representing German authors. In the past 20 years, a lot of publishers or editors have become agents, uh, and now they have most of the very famous French, uh, German authors are represented by agents. Well, here's a, here's a reason why the authors should deal with an, a literary agent, and that is they get a much larger percentage of film rights if they go with a literary agent than if they go directly with the publishing house. Yeah, but you, it's better to get some percentage than no percentage. <laughs> you see, for, for, as, for example, in France, none of those agents, and maybe, um, maybe you, will, you might find one, but none of the very famous agents that everyone is going to quote, yeah. none were editors before. So they have no experience in editing, and they no. have not never published. They have never worked with authors in a publishing house. They have never dealt with the sales force. They have never dealt with the art department. They have never de- dealt with the publicity department. They have never dealt with the marketing department. So they don't know the full chain range of, of yeah publishing. activities. Yeah. yeah, that still doesn't deny the fact, though, that if I'm an author. I, and I decide, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with a publisher directly for the, the the novel itself, but I'm gonna keep all the other rights, translation and film rights, and I'm gonna get eighty percent if I deal with a literary it, it, agent, and sure, only fifty percent if I deal with the publishing house. Granted, it's a no-brainer. Great, granted, but do you prefer to have fifty percent of a deal and eighty percent of a no deal? Because those agents. Except for one, they don't. They're not good in for, in selling in, for, in selling foreign rights or film rights. So uh, they are not equipped yeah. in France. Okay. It's not efficient, or it's efficient in one. There's what? one who is very good with foreign rights, right? But she's not that good with editing. I see. And she doesn't know the French market that well. For example, I don't think she ever offered a book to me. Right. Well, I'm sure she must have authors that could appeal to me. Yeah, and you'd think she'd try and spread it around and get as but much... But she, she, 
from my point of view, mm. and I, I am used to have worked nearly all my life with agents. You have? And, yeah. With uh, I, American I agents. American mostly. agents. And, and when you buy flying rights, you, yeah. you, you buy them through agents. Yeah. So I don't resent agent at all. No, I, I was going to get to that. There seems to be a, a resentment on the part of publishers against this middleman. I don't want them taking any... Yeah, because, any, because we're not... Because the French... Don't realize what what is a good agent. A good agent is an ally. Is exactly. An ally. They'll help you to. You don't have to read all that crap that comes in your door. That's not, one thing. Not only that, and when the author is just wild and and neurotic and uh, can't behave, the uh, the agent can yeah. is a is, psychiatrist or psychologist yeah, yeah. or whatever. And, and and the agent is not suspect because the author often think that we're thinking about. The publishing house and not themselves. Yes, that uh, yeah. we have bi we are biased. That's right. You're not their allies. You're not looking out for their best interest. And the agents can't be uh, can be accused of not defending the author interest. So if he is agreeing with the publisher, it's for the author best interest. Yeah. So the author is more likely to trust. He takes an agent to trust the agents. That's what you buy. That's what you hire an agent yeah, for is yeah. to so, look after your interests. So you can. So basically, the French editors or publisher resent uh, agents because because they're not they, that good. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. If they, they were better, used, yeah. there wouldn't be such resentment. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. But is it improving? No, not really. But we haven't had. What you have had in England, maybe also in Germany, and certainly in America, you haven't had that many people made redundant in publishing in the industry. So people oh, were right. left, you know, and then who became agent because, because they, they thought, okay, that's a, maybe I can... To stay in the business. To stay in the business. I know the I, I still have a relationship with authors and then authors talk talk to one another the same the same way with publishers i mean some authors are tell you know come to my publishing house it's a wonderful house same things with the agents mm -hmm. you have it's the author who of the best um publicist for for the agents they say you know my agent is wonderful and uh, is good at representing me you should join the agency because mm -hmm. you are going to be well better, served better better looked after yeah have you uh, can you name any uh, books of yours that have that you've sold the film rights to that are it's a big film that, that north america would know about sure because we one of the claim to fame of the publishing house mm -hmm. is an author whose name if i pronounce it the french way you might not recognize mm -hmm. it's called tatiana de rené mm -hmm. but the Americans pronounce Tatiana de Rosny. Right. <laughs> it's um, like in uh, Vermont. The capital of Vermont is Montpellier, not Montpellier. She wrote a book called Sowerski, and we have the rights. We have all the rights, included the film rights. Yeah. Movie rights. And it was uh, distributed in America and did quite well, I think. And the book did extremely well because it sold in America itself it sold over five million maybe six million copies so who did you sell that to we sold the rights to St. Martin Press are they part of FSG it's, it's FSG was part family. of the same yeah it's the old spring 
group. So yeah. they belong to the same group. So we'll get off the agents then. <laughs> we'll stop beating up on the agents. No, I'm not beating it, but I'm telling you. Well, you're I'll, just saying they're not very good in France, is what you're saying. Yeah. And that's the reason why it's not growing. And I think there should be agents in France. Here, there should yeah, be. And there's, the, there's room for it. Yeah, and, and, okay. it's, and it's neat. I mean, I'm not saying at all. It's always the same thing. I mean, if the mid, middleman is, a, is not good at his business, job. Yeah. His job, he's, uh, it's useless. Yeah. Yeah. But, but if he's good, he, he can be of help both for the author and the editor. What other differences are there between the U.S. and France that you can think of? Anything else? Hmm. What do you think France can teach the United States? Teach, I'm not sure. But uh, for sure, I wouldn't have been able to establish Lunch, the publishing house, 13 years ago, 14 years ago in America. The same publishing house because uh, we were relying very much on booksellers and we still have, let's say, 500 independent booksellers in France. Is that because the government policy is to help them? The policy helps them, but that's, it's more the fixed price, which didn't help the chains to develop. It was not that interesting for the, for the customer. The yeah, for the yeah. customer, it didn't make a difference to go to the independent bookstore in his town or mm -hmm. to go to the big FNAC. Yeah. And the publisher were not forced to just obey all the command, commands of the change. change. I remember very well having sold the rights of a, a novel to a British publisher, and he was very happy to show me the cover at the London Book Fair. And the book was called, I can't remember the name in English. In French? In French, La, La, oh, La Classe. Well, anyway, I won't read no, it will come back to me. The cover was this, this young girl wearing a light skirt, a, a picture taken from the back, with a young girl with a skirt. It's the story of a, of a classmaster whose students are going to rebel and... Uh, are going to take him as an ostage, kind of. It's okay. a kind of a thriller, and it's psychological. It's not nothing physical. By the end of the book, the, the, the classmaster is going to uh, commit suicide, so it's going to be really real. It's very dense and intense. Nothing, uh, you know, like young girl with a skirt where you see her legs and because it's no. kind of sexy, sexy cover of a comic. misrepresenting the novel. And I thought, I, so he saw my face and he said, "Yes, I know. This was imposed to us by." Um, one of the supermarkets or one of the no, chains? No, uh, the chains, the big chain, um, the English Waterstones. Picture. Waterstones. Waterstones said to us, if you take that picture, we're going to order 4,000 copies. If you take the picture you want to take, we will take 400 copies. Jeez. That's terrible. And it happens all the time. That's it's taking what we talked about at the beginning to the extreme, though. Yeah. Yeah, Isn't it? It is taking it to the extreme. Plus, the, 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 they were all, the, the big chains, they can also say to you, okay, we will order 4,000 copies, but you need to uh, reduce, I mean, to get us a uh, retail price. price yeah. yeah, to yeah. cut the price. We so you've survived to. because of the government policy. As, as it's from, more the fixed price. Well, that's what I mean, though. That's, yeah. that's yeah. government policy. Yeah.
but it's not a support. I mean, it's it's, it's, a, it's, it's a law, a law that's, support, that's yeah. supporting, but it's not money. That no, is, it's not a subsidy. It's not it's a subsidy. Just it's just a law. It's a, it's just a law. Yeah, but it is it is really uh, protecting. It has been protecting us for sure. They, they had that in England, but the, the net the net book cost or whatever it was called. Uh, but they, they didn't. Uh, they didn't keep it though. No, yeah. because whenever you are in a very liberal system. Uh, you get that wrong idea that the customer is protected by, by the the by market, by, and by it's the not. Market, but it's yeah. not because yeah. it's because we are in, in a very odd profession. It's an industry, but it's an craft, art, cra- yeah. art, craftsmanship. Yeah, it's really the three things. So yeah. you can't apply the industry law on the publishing industry. Yeah. It's a cultural industry. Yes, I think France sees that more than any yeah. other country yeah. in the world. Yeah. Because we, we, we have this tradition of culture for the worse and the better. Yeah. Uh, and but it's, tr- it's true with the opera, with the painters, with the, it's true on different levels. And it's true also that the government is quite is concerned with, the, with booksellers. And yeah, the, the, the and protecting them and, protected, and, and doing as much as they can. Yeah, well, it's a them. beautiful part of a, and ma- a city, and mayors, isn't it? And mayors all over France. I mean, yeah. not all of them, of course. You can't say that all the French mayors are, are concerned in protecting their booksellers. But, but so it's, some, a municipal, it's a municipal decision, then, in many cases. It depends. It depends. It can be municipal, it can be regional, yeah. uh, and it can be also state. National, yeah. national. Now, where does Amazon fit into all of this? Amazon is not an issue in France. Because of the same thing, the fixed price? Yeah. They can't. It's illegal for them to cut prices. It's illegal for them to cut prices. That's one thing. So that's big protection. Yeah. And then also, we are so um, strange, the French. Uh, They have been put on trial because they don't pay, of course, taxes. Yeah. taxes. So, mm-hmm. so it has been a big, big thing. And everybody in France is aware that they don't pay taxes. Yeah. And even though nobody likes to pay taxes, we resent people who get off tax-free. Get, get off tax-free <laughs> and, <laughs> and pay... He's the richest man in the world now, too. And, pay, and don't, don't pay this, the good salary to their employees yeah. and, and hire very little employees. So all that is well known and doesn't appeal to the French at all. In America, as long as you're successful, you can, in, for some people, in some states, that's good. Yeah, Makes well, the customer, the customer is king. Yeah. The customer benefits because they get dirt cheap books. But in France, they don't. So, yeah. And plus, they know, and you, you have had big campaigns people who say if you are a citizen you don't you don't click don't buy online don't buy online through uh, for amazon. amazon you can buy online for through uh, they are big big chains big um, online books buying online by big um, booksellers in france in france so okay. you can buy a lot of books um, it's easy you don't need to go through Amazon, and Amazon has a very. I mean, it depends in some circles. I'm not saying that the, the public is all aware. I mean, I've had numerous discussions with friends telling me, telling me, you know, uh, but I don't understand. If uh, we buy one of your books from Amazon, you are going to get as much money from Amazon than if we buy it from. And I say yes, right. Uh, the short run, sure, but then if the bigger they get. 
then they, they are going to be more... Um, Sometimes I'm losing my English. That's fine. They are going to, to Thank you for speaking English, by the way. They are going to uh, ask us to uh, catch a price and, and be very um, fierce. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it will have an impact on the publication that we will publish because they will eventually comment on our publishing program. So I think it's a huge threat. I will never, ever buy a book. On Amazon. You will? Never? Never, ever. No. No. Because it's anti-French. It's, it's against my heart. Mm -hmm. My yes. soul. My... What, so tell me about your heart and your soul. <laughs> on what level? All levels. <laughs> I think because my father was a writer... Also famous writer in France. Very famous writer in France. He actually was the CEO of Figaro for three years. Yeah, for two years. Th That's not the, the reason why he was famous. No, uh, no, no. I was writer. just surprised that he was in management as well as... Uh, yeah, but he, he, he really uh, cut, uh, resigned quickly because okay. he didn't, didn't like, like it, it at all. Okay. And the, the idea, because he was very much a writer, so the idea of having to run a company and having a team of people depending... Yeah. I mean, he, he couldn't uh, stand it. There's but a big deal made in France about the fact that you've got a famous father. I don't, you tell me. I mean... You know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, he's a writer, and the, the house I grew up in was covered with books. Mm. There were books ceiling to the ground, books everywhere, bookshelves everywhere. And I loved books, I mean, like you, when before we uh, started the interview, you said that you were uh, building a caban, caban, hiding. I'm hiding. not sure what I was doing. I can't remember. Uh, I just you know, were hiding. He, he found me underneath a huge pile. Yeah, I was books. not. I was not hiding myself underneath books, but I was constantly uh, sneaking, opening, and I started reading books at random in that library. And of course, I was reading. I was reading books that I, I couldn't. Uh, it was not on my of my level at all. Of but I remember very well, deciphering words yeah. and being totally taken, even if it it was not making sense. And I was uh, remember the smell of the mm. books, and the object, just the object, and opening a book had mm. an enormous appeal. Uh, it was one of my, really, it was, I enjoyed that t tremendously. And I, I first was very much able to remember where the books were and which books were on which shelf. Just that was a game for me. To, to, mm -hmm. to, um, so you put them back where they belonged? Yeah, sure. I didn't and, do that, I don't think. And as the years went by, bookshelves became... The walls of my life, the, the walls of, they were like the bones mm -hmm, of my life. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. And uh, I'm not at all at ease uh, in a, if, if I'm with friends and if, if I go for dinner at a place and there's no books, that's yeah. fine, I can, I can survive. But in my own apartment, mm. book, the bookshelves are the, the, the furnitures. I need a, a, a bed, a bathroom, yeah. a kitchen, 
and bookshelves. You'll buy a book before you buy food then, is that right? Well, I won't starve, <laughs> but I will, I mean, I am, and it's a thrill also to enter a bookstore still yeah. today. And I, I am not the type of publisher who calls to get sent free copies of some colleagues. I, I will always buy my books, my books in bookstores. Well, there you say they're your, I don't say bread and butter, but they're... They're my bread and butter, but also it's a kick to just, you know, walk around tables and just look mm -hmm. and, to and suddenly remember one title that I hadn't bought. What's your favorite bookstore? Do you have one? <laughs> uh, it's a, uh, that's a tricky question too, because in Paris, my favorite bookstore, because the bookseller is absolutely great, is called uh, Le Livre Écarlate, and it's in the 14th, and the guy is called Philippe Lecomte. Okay. But it's a small bookstore, and Philippe is exquisite. He's a dream of a, of a bookseller. Livre Écarlate, because it's come from the Hawthorne, La Lettre Écarlate. The, oh, the, le, the Scarlet écarlate. Letter? Yeah, the Scarlet Letter, so he, Le Livre Écarlate, and not La Lettre Écarlate. Ah, isn't that nice? Oh, it's just in Salem. Oh. Anyway, visiting so, the House of the so Seven so Gables, yeah. But sh it's not a huge store, uh, but in Paris you don't have that many huge uh, stores. No. I love also the first independent bookseller in Bordeaux called Mola, which is like a, a church, like a cathedral. I mean, it, it's it, nearly it, a block. It was it was it once a cathedral or no? no, 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 no you're just no, calling it a cathedral. Possible. And it's, it's called you, what? Marlot. Mola. M O uh, M O double L A T. Mola. It's huge. It's a block large. And it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful... All the booksellers are absolutely great. Give you very, very good advice. Yeah. It's a, it's a dream of a bookstore. And the other one, which is large, there's lots of light. It's quite elegant. The other one is in Toulouse, and it's called Ombre Blanche. And it's more um, erudite. You have... It's a bit more mm, snobbish. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. But do they but look it, down their nose when you come in the door, or are you okay with that? Because I don't like booksellers who think they're something special and make you feel small. And there are the that's space, usually antiquarian, but still, the space the space is very special. So you enjoy being there, and there's also a coffee shop. Which is not doesn't happen often in France. It's not at all the tradition. We don't have that because uh, you've got so many coffee shops. Yeah, <laughs> the, the booksellers are in general. You so you can really relax in the bookstore and um, there's and chairs and, and there's chair and and it's, and it's a, it's an amazing place too. It's it's not at all the same. I think they also resemble the city they are in. Bordeaux is very bourgeois, very um, you know it's. The city of the of Burgundy, they have a lot of money, money. Mm -hmm. so it's very elegant. And Toulouse is more intellectual. Mm. Um, so yeah, there, it, there's it, university there, I guess yeah, that's well known. In Bordeaux too, yeah. but um, 
I guess they they look alike a bit. Um, they look alike certainly like their their owners, uh, and uh, they are the reflection of the city they are in too. Mm -hmm. That's the way a bookshore or store should be, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Uh, I know your time is precious, so I'll just uh, wind uh, down by. I want to stay with your father. You uh, launched a, uh, a prize in his yeah. name. Perhaps yeah. you could talk to me a bit about that. We were 12 people, 12 friends of his. His family and his chosen family, mm -hmm. l'Académie Française. So there's five uh, academicians. Eric Orsena, Daniel Laferriere. I, mean, I, won't, I won't tell you the names because it might not be relevant. And we all thought of what was going to be the aim or the focus of this prize. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of prizes out there. A lot, but like in America, like everywhere, you have small, oh, yeah. um, well, we thought of contempor contemporary books, but we thought what, what different are we going to make? And then we said, okay, one thing, my father was a writer, but he was also a journalist. Jean, Jean Dormesson. He wrote a lot of reviews, but not just a tribute, of tribute to books when he liked a book, mm. whether it was contemporary or, or Homer or Ronsard or Socrates or whatever. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote uh, hundreds of columns, papers, reviews of books that he loved, that he loved and wanted to share with the readers and communicate uh, his um, the reason why he, he liked those books and what, what appeal it had and how books were, can change one's life, how books can uh, make you grow, make you uh, fly. Mm. <laughs> uh, Enriching you, your life. Enriching yeah. your life. So that was one of his motto, goal, uh, writing and sharing his admiration. So championing books. Championing books. So then we thought, okay, we're going to, all the, the 12 of us, going to pick one of our favorite books. And they don't need to be contemporary. They don't need to be French. They can be translated. Uh, we were not, we had no limits. So we all came up with one, one book that we all presented to the group. Then we all read those 12 books. Does like a book club. Like a book club. And then we used the list to five books and then voted for the, the best of those five. Okay, okay. And the idea was, because it was a very complicated choice, uh, because all those five books were excellent, uh, they were masterpieces, maybe difficult to... Were they, they, were, were they contemporary or classics? No, 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 classics? no they were, they they were, were all classics? One was written by... a. Italian author called Claudio Magris, called Danube. He's still alive, Claudio Magris, but all the others were, die were dead. And what, uh, there was one called Gérald Durel. Ah, yes. My I know Gérald Durel. My grandfather met him on the island of Jersey. Oh, no, no, his uh, brother. Uh, he met his brother on the island of Jersey. That's right. Gérald uh, Durel was... Uh, and was it the uh, Alexander Quartet? Uh, no, because that's the that's the father, the brother. Uh, he wrote the Corfu trilogy. Yeah, so so Gerald is the one that I think my grandfather met. Maybe, maybe. he had the, the, the family, zoo on the, Jersey. Exactly. So it's my it's that book. It's yes. my family and, and, my fam other, and other animals. And other animals. That's right. 
Uh, so okay. that was, but so that that was the most mischievous probably of the of the Joyce's, final, yeah, the final, the final <laughs> list. But anyway, we we thought, okay, it's neither of those books were. But there was not one that was better than the four others. No, they're that all. Not, it's they, hard to say that one of the final five are better than the no, others. But, yeah. but then we thought, okay, what what is the one that is going to be a real discovery uh, that m most people won't know, which is going to be an overlooked masterpiece? Right. So we picked an Aishan author hmm. who died when he was 38 because he was a communist under Duvalier. So Baby dog Duvalier. Yeah. So he had to live in exile, but couldn't live in exile, so came back under cover in Haiti, mm. but then was killed at the age of 38. So he has a very, he hadn't written that many books because he was only 38. Yeah. Um, and he was assassinated. And of course, he was not published in Haiti. He was only published 20 years ago or. 30 years ago in France. So he, you know, he has a, a reputation um, among really, really happy few, but he was not that f famous. So we, we gave, uh, we awarded the prize to, um, he's called Jacques-Stéphane Alexis, and it's called L'Espace d'un Simon. And I have no clue whether this book is translated in ah, English. Okay. Someone should translate it then, now a, that it's won a prize. It's, <laughs> I don't know whether, but I can tell you that this book is really uh, a tremendous... Uh, oh. it, was, I, I, it was one of the few books in the selection that I hadn't read, and one of the few authors that I didn't, I didn't know at all. I mm -hmm. never heard about mm -hmm. Jacques-Stéphane Alexis. But it's a love story bet between a, a working class man and a um, prostitute in a brothel in Port-au-Prince. And it's written in five uh, chapters and every chapter is dedicated to one of the five senses. So there's the mm. la vue, la louis, l'odorat. Touche. Yeah, le toucher et... Um, Le, le goût. Hmm. Um, What's it called again? <laughs> L'espace d'un Simon. Simon is the uh, is the, the way the, the the eye the eye le cil le Simon is when sillement c i double l i m i n t Hmm. Okay. If it was translated... In to, uh, in did the publisher accept the uh, prize? Uh, sure, Antoine Gallimard, because it's Gallimard who published, uh, did a little prize. But the most amazing thing is I received a phone call from Gallimard, the publishing house, in the afternoon when the, we were supposed to award the prize in, in the evening and they said, had you uh, warned, have you let you know Jacques-Stéphane Alexis' daughter that he uh, has... Has won. won. And I said... Mm. Didn't I, even know there was one, right? <laughs> I knew because <coughs> the book is... There's a preface by the daughter. Okay. So I knew he had a daughter, but right. I had no clue that she was still alive. And let alone that she was living in Paris and could have and could come, and she came. Oh wow, that's great! So, so when was that published? First published then? 
uh, with Gallimard. With Gallimard, uh, but not so long ago, because uh, uh, book discussion in the flicker of an eye light. An eyelid? Eyelid, sorry. Okay. That, so yeah, that it has been... In his first novel, yeah. So it's, it exists in English. Oh, that's uh, great. The publisher will be happy that, uh, in English, certainly, that they've uh, that he, it's just won your prize. Yeah, I don't know whether... That maybe they won't even know. Why do they quote Ed Fitch Danticat? I don't know, but... Because uh, she's... Yeah, but I... Is she Haitian, I think? Haitian-American, right? Yeah, she's Haitian-American, but I don't see her, the link with her, but well, it might be something. Ah, uh, yes, she co-translated okay. with Carol Coates, Coatesy. Oh, so it's probably got some, uh, certainly got some profile then. And what's the name of the publisher again? University of Virginia Press. Virginia Press, okay. Yeah. And so, just just to clarify about, say, the, the mandate or purpose of this prize that you've uh, named after your father, it's to bring attention to, yeah, uh, to a, a deserving a work that hasn't that need that should be Relaunched. better known. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and we this year we hadn't had because it was it was the first time that. The, the prize was awarded. Yeah. Uh, we haven't had the time to fully organize everything as as we would have if we had had more time. But next year we will announce the finalist earlier, so yeah. that so people can read them. So that people can read them and booksellers can uh, and publisher can have you know last selection of the Jean Dormeson prize. So it will already be in bookstores. Uh, and since this price is not, um, there's not um, money given to um, the author because if it's the author probably dead, dead, yeah, we are going to put the money into promotion of the book and the price uh, sure. of the of the the finalist, the five yeah. posters that will be accessed. Uh, well, isn't that interesting? Because I mean, what a publisher does is really tries to bring attention to work that's valuable. That's really what a publisher does, and that's what you're doing with the... Uh, oh, you can't really... <laughs> you know, once a publisher, always a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there are two publishers, or two editors in the jury who were editors of my father. Uh, Incidentally, before I forget, is there a book of all of these... Uh, review, um, reviews that he, well, that we, he's championing. We, we published some in that okay. book called Odeur du Temps. Is it in English? No, he was translated before uh, some of his novels were translated, but the but the, the critics, the English critics, didn't go for him. He actually he got a book. Uh, he had a book translated by the. Uh, New York Review of Books not so long ago, uh, two years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. But it was not a book of um, essays. Essays. We knew that. Um, you see, I'm, I'm just bruising through the pages. Balzac, 
Proust, uh, mm. Sandberg, which is much, much less known. Some of the types, Chateaubriand. Mm. So those are um, probably in the old section, but some. Mm. And the, contem the contemporary he wrote. Contemporaries he wrote about? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Gabriel, Gabriel Masnev, like, uh, mm -hmm. Bernard Franc, uh, yeah, he wrote. Tributes, really, aren't they? Yeah, tributes, yeah. Mm. Patrick Besson. And what's this book called? Odeur du temps. Flavor of the Times flavor. Finally, then, your future, what legacy do you want to leave behind? Yeah. Gosh. Where are you now? What are you doing that, that you're proud of? And where would you like to go? It's more, I, I think I don't know anything else than, than this. Than being around books and interested and involved and uh, committed. I could become an agent, but, I, but I, will, I will still be around authors and books. And I think. What's complicated uh, and will was always complicated, and I don't think it's new. I think it's uh, it has always been the case is to get a book to be uh, known by its and and picked by its readers, and that's my big challenge. And it's a, it's the challenge of life because there's no law. I mean, if you if we knew how to sell books. We would sell books. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we never sell books because otherwise we would be bankrupt, bankrupt yes, and yes. all the publishers would. But it's often just luck. It's yeah. often just yeah. coincidence. Of course, sometimes it's it's because you've worked on it and you, you've got the reviews, the booksellers' attention, everything went together. Uh, together. Yeah. But the fact that we can't replicate. Everyone is unique shows that there is not one... We all know that you need to have the bookseller's attention, the, the media coverage, the exposure... Word of uh, mouth. The word of mouth. So we all know that. But then some books have very little reviews, very little bookseller's attention, only word of mouth. Some books have only the bookseller's attention. Some books you don't... At first, you don't understand even why it's picking. Some books have it all. Some books don't. You know, you get it's 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 very mysterious. It remains very mysterious. There is no Actually, formula. There is no formula, and it's a matter of passion. And I'm totally de dedicated to that, and I will remain dedicated to that. That's why you only have twenty uh, books a year. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it's you know it's a task of life because you will always need to struggle to try to get those books out to the public attention and to find new ways which match match the books that we are, you are publishing. Because, again, it's never... Some, some books you can rely on the booksellers, some books you can rely on the, on the internet, some books you can... And it's always fun. I think I also have fun. Got to um, have fun, otherwise why do it? So that's, that's my challenge and that's my goal, to go on doing okay. that. Is it getting harder? Are there fewer people reading or not? Probably it's not the fact that there are fewer people reading that makes it harder. Uh, it's because most people are reading the same books, mm -hmm. which makes 
it's more and more complicated to have books emerge, books by unknown authors. When you have a well-known author and you, are, you have the new book, that's one thing most uh, professional publishers know how to do. If you have a book, an author bestseller, you will make it a success. Uh, that's well, what we know how to do. It's yeah. not so much of a risk for the publisher and it's not so much of a risk for the reader because they already know yeah. what... Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that you push, you do a lot of media with the author, you, 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 you do ra- uh, advertisement on the radio. Uh, I mean, there are numbers of things that you can do and if you do them, in general, it works. There's a formula for that. But for all the other books where there isn't, isn't this formula and the authors are not well known and not known by the readers, that's complicated. And booksellers can still do the difference in France, which makes it because you can get a book to become successful only through the word of mouth through booksellers. And that makes it still feasible to be a publisher in France. Because if you were only to rely on chains and uh, it's complicated because they it's much more more um, much tougher in the in america and in england and elsewhere then and the thrill is being successful with an unknown author that must be the a big thrill it's a big thrill yeah i mean when you are when you're convinced the book has it all i mean when you're convinced the book is really um a wonderful uh, it's a challenging. It's a. It's a. It's a mesmerizing. It's a. Uh, it's moving. Can <laughs> sometimes upsetting. Mm-hmm. I mean, a book can mm-hmm. be a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but when you, you really convince, uh, and you, and you manage to, to get other people to, to also think that, the book is good, then you, then you have succeeded. Well, it's been a thrill to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I've been speaking with Eloise. Yes. Dormason. Yeah. Who is the president and publisher of Eloise Dormason Edition, Edition. 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 Yeah. in Paris. Thanks again. Thanks, Nigel.